and Hound podcast. Hello and welcome to the Horse and Hound podcast, supported this week by NAF Five Star Superflex. I'm Pippa Room, magazine editor here at Horse and Hound. Well, I hope you haven't all melted in the heat and that you're managing to keep yourself and your horses cool and perhaps slipping in the odd ride in the early mornings or the evenings when the temperatures aren't quite so high. Our interview this week is with British international dressage rider Gareth Hughes, who reflects on what makes a successful championship team and his own career. I've been very, very lucky in my life. I think I've fulfilled all my ambitions that I had. I've never had an ambition to win an individual medal because I actually truly honestly don't think I'm good enough to do that. So I've never strived for that. So I sort of know where I sit. We'll be reviewing all the dressage action from the CDI, CPEDI and Premier League at Hartbury. And I'll be talking to our news editor, Eleanor Jones, about equine obesity in the show ring and the administration of pain relief at FEI shows. Finally, Farrier Sam Draycott talks about what happens when cracks develop in horses' hooves. What I would call as a farrier proper cracks is where you either get a huge crack from the ground up or from the coronary band down, where the hoof actually becomes two separate feet, almost like, like a cow's foot. So pop on that neck strap, hang on tight, and let's get going. Hello, I'm Polly Bryan, dressage editor at Horse and Hound, and I'm thrilled to be joined today by Gareth Hughes. Gareth has ridden for Britain on multiple championship teams with several medals to his name, and most recently won Team Silver at the European Championships in 2021 with Santano Van Hoff Olympia. He was also team alternate at the Tokyo Olympics and has been shortlisted on two lovely horses for this summer's Dressage World Championships. Hi, Gareth. How Hi. are you? I'm all right, thank you. Excellent. We are sitting here at a very warm, very sunny yeah. Hartbury CDI. Um, it's coming up to mid-July now. We've had the list of nominated entries yeah. for the World Championships in August in Herning. Um, they're less than a month away. I can't believe they're coming around so quickly. We haven't yet had the final team selection, but you have had a very successful season so far with Classic Brolinka, uh, your top mare, and Santano Van Hoff Olympia, who was your top horse last year. We saw Brolinka return to competition in Compiègne in May, didn't yeah. we, after I think it was about 18 months away she had, wasn't it? Um, yeah, I mean, it worked out like that because we had, um, we had that great year in 2019 at the Europeans where she finished... Um, in the top 10. Yeah, you were the, the top-forming um, Brit at yeah. the European Championships. And then she felt really good the following year. But unfortunately, COVID put... Uh, has stopped everything, yeah. you know, that year. Um, and then um, we were just getting ready for our first big um, international beginning of... That would have been then 2021. We always lose a year with COVID. <laughs> uh, 2021, and unfortunately, yeah, she injured herself, so we missed out on all last year. And then because of that there was nothing really to bring her back yeah. for. So we gave her as much time as we could and then we've put her, brought her back for this year and um, so far, so good. Yeah, you were saying earlier that she, she feels, if anything, even even better than she has done in the past. Yeah, I mean, what was interesting, obviously, she's a, she's a little older now. She's mm. 16 now. So, um, but, you know, she's so secure and comfortable in the work and things. So, 
um, you know, it's like, it's like sort of getting in your old armchair. You know, it's so good to have her back, and she's so consistent in it. Um, obviously, now it's just it's just getting her back fit and strong and ready. And also now she's a little bit older, just sort of managing the competitions, mm. really. Yeah, and it's interesting because obviously it's not just about healing the injury with horses no. at this level. It's the fitness, isn't it? It's bringing them back up and making yeah. sure they're ready. Yeah, and, you know, when you have, um, you know, an older horse that, that that's injured itself like that, um, you know, which is, is quite common, you know, there mm. is a you know, injury through through an accident. A lot of the time they're just uh, repetitive, repetitive strain injuries, yeah. you know, where just because the work's so hard and this is where we have to balance it out, mm-hmm. then they get a little bit older. But when you've had an injury and you're trying to build them back up and it's like uh, it's like a lot of athletes, they stay absolutely fine until that last push. Yeah. So, you know, it's balancing up now and, you know, she's 16, so we're trying to manage the number of competitions she does. So hopefully she can, you know, we're, we're hoping to get a couple more years out of her. And, yeah. Because she feels great, you know. You know, yeah. she, she feels really good in her body. She feels really good mentally. Um, she's done, re- she came back and um, has done really well this year for the yeah. competition, sort of bounced back like yeah. she hadn't been away. She won that Grand Prix, didn't she? So she that, and that was, and, that was and I hadn't planned on doing that so early in the okay. season. So at the beginning of the year, you have your plan A, B and C. Yeah. And then because she hadn't competed for the last 12 months, she'd lost her qualifying marks to be able to select it, to be selected, so these MERs. Um, and so I'd had a plan of what I can, was going to do. And then all of a sudden we lost one of the internationals that I was going to do. So, um, so Bowlesworth went and that was going to be part of our MER where Heartbreather at the moment comes just outside of the qualifying yeah, period. It's about a, a day so and a half too all, late. <laughs> all of a sudden it was like, I'm going to have to go to France. Um, and it was a big, you know, it's a big, big competition there in Compiègne. Mm-hmm. And yeah, no, she stepped up and she was brilliant. It was so nice to have her back in. And I could feel her sort of going around thinking, I could feel her sort of growing in confidence and going, I know what I'm doing now and I'm back. And it was really yeah, good. It was nice. really good to have her back. That was, it was lovely to see her back. Uh, and of course, you've got lovely Santana, yeah. who many of our, our readers and listeners will definitely mm. remember from um, all of his success yeah, yeah, last year. year. He this year he's your he's your second string horse. You're running him alongside Brelin, yeah, aren't you? Yeah. So so I mean, beginning of last year, obviously my my plan was as uh, Santana had only just stepped up to Grand Prix yeah. last year. So last year was his first year of Grand Prix. So you know when Brelin unfortunately injured herself and we knew she was going to uh, miss out on Tokyo, it was like, well, Santana. <laughs> your turn so he he stepped up and he was amazing um and yeah he went to tokyo as the alternate you know and the alternates there because we could the the olympics sort of how they ran it changed so we could have been substituted any point throughout the olympics last year so he really had to step up out there as well because you could have been called on you know each day to go and compete so you know he still had that so he wasn't went out there and then just had a nice time because he wasn't going to compete he had to work and he did really well then we came back and we were selected for the europeans um and he did brilliantly there as well so yeah. he, he he was superb last year i mean yeah. he really stepped up and did went sort of beyond what we thought yeah um and so this year yeah i've been campaigning the two and Sintano's done really well and so we have the two on the list lovely yeah very very exciting and well you're you're here competing at Hartbury in the the grand prix and in the small tour classes though actually not with brilinka or Sintano. um such is the strength of your string of yeah. horses at the moment yeah no i'm, I'm very lucky i have um well, I actually have five Grand Prix horses at home because I've just we've just stepped up one that of our small tour horses into a Grand Prix, <laughs> um, so uh, which is lovely. Um, yeah. But yeah, it makes it makes it difficult, especially when they're all good. You yeah, know, they're all international quality. So I've got two others here. Um, one a stallion called KK Dominant, who actually yeah. just came back from riding in the Nations Cup at Rotterdam yes. a week and a half ago. Yeah. 
um, and Woodstock. So, yeah, so they'll do the Grand Prix here and, yeah, see how we go. Yeah, very exciting. And you had um, a slightly younger horse in the uh, PSG this morning, yes, Happiness. Yes, Happiness, how? who was a little bit too happy. He, <laughs> he, there's a bank at Hartbury here, people that know, know the sort of the, they have a lovely big arena, but they have a bank where everyone sits. Yeah. And he is the nosiest horse I've ever ridden in my life. <laughs> he's not spooky at anything. He's just nosy, but he's like a kid. When he looks at something, he has to stop, look. And then he continues on like it hasn't happened. So three times through the test. You had a look at the bank. So oh, we sort of down the centre line, turned right, he stopped, looked, and then trotted off. I was like, mate, no, just, just keep trotting. <laughs> so by the trot. end, I just had to laugh. And But, you know, he's, he's, he's a good horse. Um, where he is good is he does that, but actually in the movements, he really tries to stay, tries to stay mm-hmm. focused. So, you know, hopefully as things get a little bit more difficult, that'll give yeah. him a bit more focus and a little bit more maturity and stuff. But he's just, he's just nosy. oh it's so funny these horses and their quirks well it is you know and i mean you know i've been around long enough now so i can sort of laugh it off but you know it it, you put all that time and effort and expense and everything else into it and then they go in and do that and Mm -hmm. but you know it's it's horses and that's what it's like and um you know it's he's he's it is his personality he does it at home um, you know, and he'll do it in the working in. And but yeah, you know, I think he has a memory of a goldfish because he literally spooks and then he forgets it. So that's that's a positive because <laughs> he doesn't take it into the work. Yeah. The problem is he then does it at four or five different places around the arena because he doesn't <laughs> think he's been there. Um, but but you know he'll he'll he's you know we'll keep developing him and and sort of see where he ends up. And he but he's 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 showing a lot of quality at the moment. Good stuff. Um, and of course your daughter Ruby is also having know, a great year. Um, it's not all about Gareth. No, it's not. <laughs> It's, it's, I've now gone from being Gareth Hughes to being Ruby's dad. <laughs> Complete change of status. Exactly. She um, she had a win here, didn't she, earlier in the week in the in the Premier League? Yeah, Must yeah. So she has um, a, a lovely horse that she's been doing juniors on, mm. um, but she's also been going out and doing um, some um, PSGs and into ones. And she rode in the um, in the Premier League here mm. and won, won the Prix Saint George and. Um, I, I wasn't here and I actually finished teaching and sort of caught the second half of the test online and I even have to remind myself she's only 14. Yeah. I mean, she rides with so much maturity. Um, she's really dedicated. She's still very excitable about it, which she should yeah. be at that age. That's great. Yeah. Um, she has a complete and utter love for the sport and horses. Yeah. And, you know, and she's a lovely kid, mm. you know. I mean, you know, she, she works really hard. Um, yeah, she just, I mean, she just makes us so proud. No, I'm not surprised. Have you, um, have you come up against her in a class yet? Have you ridden against her? Um, I don't know whether I have yet, but I will be. You and, will be. <laughs> and she would have beaten me here today. So, <laughs> so I'm going to have to live with that, aren't I? Because <laughs> it will happen. There will be a point she will overtake me. I mean, I, I couldn't ride like that at 14. You know, she's she's, 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 she's she's a good kid, yeah. <laughs> she really, really is. Definitely one to watch out for. As we mentioned already, we don't yet know the final no. selector team for the, the Dressage World Championships. Obviously, you are having to prepare as though yes, you're going yeah, to learn absolutely. it. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Which is quite full on, isn't it? That's, that's it a is, because so, we're, only, we're only a month away now. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, it's not just, just preparing the horses regarding um, preparing them fitness wise Mm. test wise and things obviously with brexit travel is a lot more difficult so there's a lot of logistics that we have to sort of um work out and so there's all sorts of things that we actually have to start with every horse that's going to be on that list is going to have to go through this so yes you everybody has to start now Mm. you know preparing as if you're going yeah um and then we wait for that phone call yeah 
and you've you've had a few of those those phone calls (laughs) to date um i think it was actually your first ever senior championship for britain uh back in 2013 that was also in herning in denmark wasn't it the european championships um that was riding uh stenkius and honor And just tell me, tell me about your sort of memories from, well, from that championship, but also from around that, that time, really kicking off seriously your career well, riding for Britain. Of, you know, I'm, I've been around for a while now, um, but, you know, I sort of done it, I, the slow route in some ways, you know, yeah. dressage is my second career in horses. Mm. I grew up in Australia. I was born in the UK, grew up in Australia, but, you know, I did a lot of Western. I, I always wanted to ride horses. That's yeah. what I was going to do as a living. I never yeah. knew what I was going to do. So it wasn't until I moved to the UK in my 20s that I thought, you know, this is what I wanted to do. But then, you know, I was at an age I couldn't go and be a working pupil, so I went base with somebody, you know. So I set up a yard and I just mm. trained horses and mm. slowly things sort of built up. And, and um, you know, I got to the point that, you know, I was I developed enough as a rider I could train horses to Grand Prix. Mm. Um, every horse I've ridden at Grand Prix, I've trained to Grand Prix. Yeah. Um, from from either from being very young or, or you know, I got the ride, and, but I, f- I finished them. So I feel very proud with that. Mm. And with, uh, with Nadonna, um, that um, is owned by um, Kevin Sparrow and Jane Bruin. I'd had the ride on her and we'd had a really good, I remember we had a really good year that year. Um, and obviously it was the year after London. Yeah. So, you know, we, we were flying yeah. with horses. You were on a team and, with, with Carl, Charlotte and Michael Alberg, And Michael, yeah. yeah. Um, but I was the reserve. Right, okay. <clears throat> So I was selected as a reserve. Um, and then 20 hours before the horses were leaving, I got a phone call saying, you're going. Oh, gosh. <laughs> now, these, uh, I mean, so so all of a sudden it was like, okay. <laughs> I mean, I'd never been to a championship before, yeah. so I didn't know what it was like. And, you know, within 20 hours we had to, you know, organise the horse, organise, you know, how we were going to get it to Denmark, organise my flights, organise my kit. I yeah. mean, I'd never had kit before, <laughs> you know, and all this kind of stuff. And it was everything. And so it was a big whirlwind. And then, um, you know, we, we got, we, we did get there. Um, so, you know, and everything was fine and it was huge. And, and Donna was great. But unfortunately, it was one of those tests that I think Nadonna did some of the best work she'd ever done. Mm-hmm. But she probably made a subtle mistake in every movement. <laughs> so it was sort of one of those that I probably rode some of the best tests I'd ever ridden. Mm. I got the worst mark I'd had all year. Yet I came home with a team medal. Yeah. And so it was, it was sort of so full of emotions backwards and forwards. Um, you know, I think the one thing I have learned about being you know the team even if you become the drop scorer or not it's the whole team dynamic it is so important because it's not it's not it is obviously the end result is just about the ride but it's not just about the ride yeah it's course. the whole team spirit supporting each other being there giving everyone confidence yeah um because you know when you get to that point uh, a championship is very different to any other competition because yeah. any other competition okay you know even if you're successful and you have eyes on you if something goes wrong you know you can bury your head you pack your bags you go home you regroup you come out you go again mm-hmm. championship you can't you know yeah. it doesn't matter how good or bad you do you're there to support everybody else you know you have everybody watching you mm-hmm. have your sort of your country behind you um you know all the people that are involved like through the world class are there supporting you you know and all your owners and everything and it, so it's it's very different so it um you know i've been very very lucky now i've been on on quite a few teams and that team dynamic is 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 really important yeah it definitely is and i i feel as though it is probably the sort of thing you get <laughs> 
you get better at the more teams you've been on. Obviously, some people are more perhaps naturally a team a team member yeah. than others. Yeah. But it must be something that you yeah you get used to that. But dynamic. I think I think as a team. Um, I mean, I think for for a team for a team to do well, because because uh, even though it, it's a team medal, it's an individual sport. Yeah. And for a team to do well, you need. I think of a team a little bit like a band. <laughs> you know, you need your lead singer. You need your you need your one that's going to go out there and lead from the front and kick out a big score mm-hmm. and everything. And you know, then you need your second one that is happy to be second. Mm-hmm. Is happy to be get that second score, mm-hmm. but really go for it and pick up. And same with the third, and you know, and 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 the fourth, the fourth rider there again. You know, knowing that you're going to be, or knowing that you might get the fourth score, but still really riding for it and giving that support and everything. Because exactly. I think if there's too many individuals in a sport, what in a team, sorry, what you end up trying to do is ride, trying to be the best rider on the team. Yeah, and that doesn't work. It's mm-hmm. really sort of knowing where you are, where you sit, supporting each other, and doing everything you can for each other then when you hit the special individual go for it yeah you know but that that team dynamic is is really important because if there's too many individuals it just it doesn't you don't get that sort of cohesive unit yeah and it's really interesting about the that fourth rider because Mm. obviously the the lowest score is is dropped from the team competition yeah but even if you maybe the rider whose score was dropped, you you've still been a part of that team. You're because, still a massive part yeah, of your team you because really are. because I mean that's the whole idea of it is you know obviously with horses you know that it's not like a human athlete you get a little niggle you can feel mm. it you can talk to the doc talk to the physio or whatever with the horses those little niggles we can't feel until it turns into something yeah. so the whole idea of the the fourth horse is that that's your drop score it's your yeah, spared you know just backup. in case mm. you know touch wood nothing does but something goes wrong. And because, you know, these championships, you can't just drag another horse in. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, for instance, our championship this year in Denmark, you can't just call one from, yeah. you know, Warwickshire and say, <laughs> we need you here tomorrow. Um, and so, yeah, no, it, it's really important that everybody firmly believes that no matter where you end up, you don't, and, and everybody else is supportive around you. Mm. Um, you know, and you're there for a few days before, you're there throughout. Yeah. Um, and it is really, really important that, you know, you're all part of a team. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, you said a, a team is like a like a band. Who would yeah. you be in the band? What, what's your? Do you know? I, <laughs> I think I think I'm I'm a good team member. I think. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm quite I'm very supportive, and um, you know, I'm not I'm not young. I'm I'm older now. You know, I'm not I'm not 25. You know, <laughs> where I'm looking at my whole future ahead, and I'm trying to prove things and everything. I know where I sit. Yeah. I'm very comfortable now with how I ride. I know what I can perform. I know what I can do. Um, you know, and I've been very, very lucky in my life. I think I've fulfilled all my ambitions that I had. I've never had an ambition to win an individual medal because I actually, truly, honestly don't think I'm good enough to do that. So I've never strived for that. So I sort of know where I sit. And I think with it, when you take a horse, you know, especially, especially in dressage, you, you take horses and you sort of know what is, is their gold medal. Mm-hmm. So you could have a horse where you know the top ones if they don't get 78 79 80 percent they feel like they've lost you know you're you know i know like for instance with Sintano last year at the europeans i knew if he got anywhere between 72 and 74 he'd won his gold medal yeah and he got just under 75 i mean that was his gold medal yeah okay i put him i actually think it put him in the top 13 at the Europeans or something. He was like 13th or something. You got into the freestyle, didn't you? Uh, Yeah, we got into the freestyle, but because you couldn't have four members of one team in there, we dropped that. But you were within that top number. Yeah, yeah, he was in the top top group. Um, So, 
I think that, you know, with dressage, you've, you definitely go for, you know, sort of what you're striving for, what you're trying to ride for. Then, then what place that ends up, you don't know because it depends what everyone else does. So I think that's where our sport is quite different. Mm-hmm. And um, there's, there's probably a lot less luck involved because it's the same arena, you know, same letters in the same place, same test. You know, we don't have, you know, different turns or different striding with jumping or whatever or cross country where the ground could be wet or hard or this, that, the other. So, um, so yeah, you know, we know where we sit. So who would I be in a band? I don't know. <laughs> Bass player? Yeah, you know, well, a very, good, very you know, important. sort of hold, holds it together and, and you know, gives support and, you know, is an integral part. And, yeah. Um, and, you know, and I'm, 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 you know, really, really comfortable with that. Yeah, good. Well, Gareth, it's been fab to, to chat to you today. Thank you so much for making the time um, to come and sit down and have a little natter for the podcast. We will all be very excited to see the team announced in uh, in a couple of weeks and we wish you the best of luck with that. Perfect, And Thank you. for the rest of the summer with all your right. lovely horses. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks, bye. So still Polly Bryan with you here and I'm here with our senior news writer Lucy Elder because the two of us have just got back from a few days reporting at the NAF Five Star Hartbury Festival of Dressage and I think it's fair to say we had a um, a warm but very enjoyable uh, few days. Is that right Lucy? Yeah, absolutely. I certainly kept the ice cream man and the ice coffee man in business this weekend. But um, <laughs> we're better than to be sat on that hill with an ice cream watching dressage. Would you agree? Definitely. It was yeah a great place to be um, as the weather was warming up. And I think you remarked on how easy it was to uh, bump into and chat to people because everyone was to be found in that ice cream queue. <laughs> yeah. So... We were there on, not unfortunately on the same day, but uh, I was there a couple of days. You were there a couple of, ta- a couple of days. It really is a massive um, event. There's loads going on. And there was loads of really good dressage to be had. For me, one of the, the highlights had to be Fiona Bigwood winning the CDI three-star Grand Prix on Daytona Platinum. Uh, we always, you know, we say in our reports that he is big, but standing next to him, he is humongous. Fiona says that he is measured way above her measuring stick, which goes up to 18.3. So that should tell you all you need to know. They did um, a lovely Grand Prix test. It was the horse's first international win. Fiona said she loved him to bits and, you know, she was just so incredibly thrilled that it had all come together on the day. Uh, but one of the really nice things actually about this show was that there were three different winners we had different winners in the straight grand prix the special and the freestyle lucy you were there to watch the freestyle and the special tell us who came out on top of those and what you made of it yes absolutely well i'm going to start with the freestyle because uh, in chronological order and that was on gala night on the saturday and it was it was really lovely to be back in that arena in the indoor it was actually cooling down a bit which was just perfect and <laughs> quite a really enthusiastic crowd as well and it was kathleen cronker and san royal who took the win with a really cool like modern marching tune so kind of traditional music with a with a real modern twist and he you're just talking about big horses there he is huge <laughs> as well and I hadn't realized because uh, where you're watching at Harper you look down and it's that amazing arena there um and then I trotted around to go and ha- catch up with Kathleen after prize giving and saw how big he was up close and he is so powerful and she said it is some feeling to ride him but there are a few real standout moments in that freestyle uh Gareth Hughes and wonderful KK Woodstock that was fabulous to see them coming second and Caroline Chu and 
Tribbiani. I think this was a real personal best of her as well. And they really stood out. They scored 74.35. That was a real highlight of, of the freestyle night for me. And another, uh, just a personal favourite, watching Hayley Watson Greaves and Rubens Knight in their twinkly freestyle. I That is just... I don't think it will ever not give me goosebumps. I really enjoyed watching that one. <laughs> yeah, I'd agree with you there. Haley's freestyles are always wonderful to watch. They really are, aren't they? And he's he's a senior boy now. He's 18. And so mm. watching him, he didn't look 18. He looked fabulous. So I really, really enjoyed that one. And oh, then the special on Sunday, it was... I know we keep saying it was hot. It was really, really warm. <laughs> um, but it was also hot competition as well. If Gareth Hughes uh, came out on top there with KK Dominant and this horse, he he won the Grand Prix on him at the National Championships last year. Mm. And he is just, he's like an oil painting, that horse. He is yeah beautiful isn't he would you agree Paulie yeah he really is isn't he he's not a very big horse no. and and yeah he is very compact but he really mm. does fill your eye in the arena he has mm. got a beautiful head and obviously Gareth he rides all of his horses so beautifully and this one is no exception yeah absolutely so yes they were they were the the winners in the special and it was just a delight to watch that it was kind of it was the whole thing looked seamless and um gareth said it was the best test he's done so yeah those are the real highlights of the big tour for me who else stood out for you polly across the week well, I think we're going to say the same person because <laughs> she was, as you called her in the report that will be out this week, the queen of Hartbury this week. That was Becky Moody. She was fabulous, wasn't she? Yeah, there's no other words to say it. And that freestyle with nearly on an 81. It was to a new routine. Tom Jones, my goodness, that fitted him so well. Yeah, this Jaeger bomb we're talking about, her really lovely gelding who she won uh, three titles on at the Winter Dressage Championships at Hartbury a little bit earlier this year. Um, I think this was the horse's first international, is that right? Yes, uh, yes, that's right. And his national record is just, it's unbelievable. When I was looking it up, you know when you think, I know this horse is good, I know he's won a lot. But mm. when you're looking at those, those numbers in front of you, it really shows just how he's answered every question as she stepped up through the levels and I asked Becky yeah. just you know when you've got a horse like that obviously it begs the question of how just how good is he he looks phenomenal mm. and um she said you know it's hard to tell it's a big step up from small tour to big tour but he's kind of giving her those amazing feelings and she said that she thinks he could be pretty epic so I think he's already pretty epic but um <laughs> I would uh, agree yeah. with you there <laughs> um what did you think Polly oh well I only saw her in the uh the Priest and George which was uh that combination's first class of the week and yeah he just looked fantastic he looked stronger in the work than he did in April um obviously and you know another few months to sort of consolidate all of that he really looks as though he has all it takes um time will tell as, as Becky obviously said it is a big step up um not every horse that is a star at small tour goes on to be a star at Grand Prix but I kind of think this one might I really do I'm so excited to see his future <laughs> <laughs> no pressure Becky <laughs> so also at Heartbreak was the uh, the very popular Heartbreak Premier League and this attracted some really, really top riders, some really great combinations. I was very taken with the Grand Prix winner, Andrew Gould and the Black Stallion Indigro. 
Andrew has only had this horse for about three months and their their partnership is so new, but they, they look as though they've been together for, you know, years, to be honest. Um, they they put it, pulled off a really good Grand Prix. They scored 73%. It was the first Grand Prix that they've actually done together. They've only done a couple of inter wow. twos um, so far this season. And yeah, Andrew said afterwards, you know, he said they bought this horse with um, the Paris Olympics in mind. They, they bought it specifically to compa- campaign at the very, very top level. And yeah, I can see why he's so excited about him. There's a lot more to come. Uh, the horse is a bit green. He's, you know, he can do everything very well. Uh, he will obviously get stronger he will get more comfortable with stringing all these movements together yeah I think they're ones to watch I really do there's been it seems to be some real standouts coming through as ones to watch uh, looking ahead I was really taken with Blue Horse Zaccarado who topped the well breeding selection trial six-year-olds and I think actually scored the highest mark across all the young horse classes of the week mm. 89.6 it was ridden by Beth Bainbridge and it's quite exciting it's quite interesting actually he's owned by Blue Horse Stud and he's over in the UK uh, in a lease agreement with uh, Elite Stallions and um, my goodness and Beth said that it actually brought a tear to her eye how Aww. how proud she was of him during her test and she said he is just a delight and he has what sounds like a lovely time hacking around the Devon lanes and a really nice routine at home so uh, he would definitely be one to watch for future who else stood out for you Polly well the young horse classes were really interesting actually they always are they're, they're, these are the, the semi-finals with the um, four five and six year olds uh, and seven year olds gunning to get to the national dressler championships uh, in September as well as some international young horse classes and of course the selection trials as you mentioned there and I I think there were there were a lot of names that topped those lists that we that we know that you know a lot of familiar names such as um Sadie Smith with her lovely seven-year-old mare Swamor Dantina, uh Beth Brainbridge Beth Brainbridge and Blue Horse Zaccarado, as you mentioned, and also Sarah Rogers and Full Moon, who mm-hmm. uh won a young horse title at the Nationals last year. They're back for more. But one horse that I had never come across before was Fever Tree, who won the four-year-old semi-final with Danny Morgan with an enormous score, another 89%. And I was really excited to chat to Danny afterwards. He was so full of enthusiasm about this horse. Um, he backed him himself and then was just so excited about him. He had to buy him. So Exciting. yeah, he he reckons he's got, you know, everything it takes. He described him as a natural. It was like he'd done it all before. Uh, yeah, I think Fever Tree, who's a stable name is Gordon very appropriate very appropriate <laughs> I really think he's one to watch so there's a name for everybody brilliant I also loved another talking point not quite so young as that but still the young horse pre St George final on um, Saturday night what was really cool about this was Equidance were live DJing soundtracks to them and it was Charlotte Dijardin and the really cool looking mare alive and kicking who topped that with a massive score of 79.17 and my goodness what a cool horse but what a really exciting new concept as well to have live DJ going on to to fit those horses that must have been yeah. some some feet to 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 manage that but it made a really for a really exciting gala night on on saturday night my gosh yes i wish i'd been there to to catch that that must have been really really fun and um and yeah this this little mare does look pretty cool charlotte bought her from a video i think didn't she yes that's what she told me afterwards and she's just she's this real power package of energy and she's got those little ears pretty forwards and she just yeah she said she's really fun to ride um Polly, you were there to watch the para riders as well. Can you tell us a bit about that? 
I had a great time watching our power riders and chatting with them afterwards. Um, there were a couple of uh, hat tricks to be had across the levels, um, across the grades. Lee Pearson, so Lee Pearson, he scored a hat trick with Breezer, his horse from the Tokyo Paralympics. It was interesting chatting to him actually because last year Lee brought Breezer to Heartbreeze, their sort of final run before going to Tokyo, um, and it all went quite horribly wrong for him in the freestyle I believe because Breezer got very upset by the the sort of the atmosphere and the sounds within the um, Hartbury indoor arena and I think they were actually eliminated or they had to retire and he obviously wanted to bring him back to Hartbury this year he brought him to Hartbury for a, a, a practice run about a month ago he said to try to put those Hartbury demons to bed and it definitely seemed to have worked uh, they were outside actually for all of their tests this uh, this year but Lee had a much bigger smile on his face at the end of his Hartbury week than he did last year so that was great to see the horse just looks like he's going from strength to strength uh, Sophie Wells was another one to win all three of her classes on Don Cara M, another uh, one of our Tokyo gold medalists from last year. She also said that this this lovely horse is really gaining in confidence and, you know, there's still loads more to come. So that's a really exciting combination. I did feel very sorry for Natasha Baker, who was the, the third of the, the trio of riders who won Team Gold in Tokyo last year. She managed to win the team test on the first day with Keystone Dawn Chorus, despite feeling really quite ill and had to withdraw from the rest of the week. So that was a shame. We all wish Natasha the very best. Uh, but to still manage to win her class, even, you know, far from being on top yeah. form is, is quite an achievement, really. Wow. Yeah. Oh, well, I hope Natasha's feeling feeling much better now. What a week it was. So much, so much dressage, so much, so many exciting performances, so many exciting horses to watch. And um, oh, yeah, definitely. I feel like we could sit here chatting all day and talk about all of the very deserving winners. But uh, <laughs> unfortunately, we probably do have to get on with the rest of the podcast. So thanks so much, Lucy. Great to catch up on such a fantastic few days of dressage. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Polly. Well, thank you very much to Polly and Lucy for rounding up all the action from Heartbury there for us. I'm joined now by our news editor, Eleanor Jones. How are you doing, Eleanor? Yeah, all good, thank you. Grateful to live in an old and drafty house because uh, it's such a few water scorcher and I'm actually keeping cool. Um, yeah, yeah, I was I was out running this morning. And <gasps> I think that I think eight o'clock is just a bit too late to be getting out. I think I maybe need to be like getting up at five and going out at six. But uh, yeah, it's it's not my idea of fun, but it, it is a bit too warm to be running. Yeah, up I might have to walk the dog at that sort of time tomorrow because he is very cross at the moment. That, that he's not going out for a walk. So if he has an input on the podcast today, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if we hear from Eleanor's dog, everybody, he's called Charlie. So we'll just introduce him now as well. Well, in case he decides to pipe up. So on to the serious news. Eleanor, you have written a story this week about equine obesity and showing. It follows the recent Showing Council Summer Conference. Obviously, it's a topic that we've talked about on the podcast before, that we write about quite a lot in the magazine. And I think that the, the presentation at the Summer Conference, it started with a presentation about the Way to Win scheme. Is that right? I know we've talked about it before, but just remind us about that scheme. Yeah, it's a really good scheme. It's run by the Horse Trust and uh, Dr. Tamsin Furtado, who is a specialist researcher in the area. And the idea is is basically they go to a number of shows and uh, alongside the main judging for the classes, they award uh, a rosette to the horse that's in the healthiest body condition in each class. 
So that's the scheme and we've reported on that before and we've also reported that this year it's being extended um, and, and that's what they gave a presentation uh, on in the showing council conference. And But then they were then also sort of saying, well, what else can we do, you know, and, and we uh, uh, referred to the fact a couple of weeks ago in the magazine that they were hoping to extend it. Um, now, uh, one of those things is that the Great Yorkshire show, which is running this week, is is promoting it, the fact it's a healthy weight show. So they will have free body con condition scoring and, and weight management advice there. Uh, competitors will be encouraged to enter horses and ponies who are at the ideal weight and the judges will take condition into account when they're placing. And what are the next steps? Were there sort of further steps to, to happen after this that were discussed at the conference? Yeah, so Dr. Furtado said she, you know, this was a showing council conference and she said, I, I want to know what you think. Do we need to do more? Should we have rule changes? How do we go to the next level? And, and you know, th this is sort of a very good step, but she's saying this is just the first step. Um, and then the showing council chair, Jane Nixon, said she, she couldn't agree more and that she believes that if there are obese horses in a class that they shouldn't be placed because one thing that's been said before is that judges have said well if all the horses that come forward are, are obese I can only place obese horses but she's saying well actually maybe you shouldn't and you should go well no there's you, there's no horse that should be placed um, and uh, uh, Dr Nixon also said that uh, her view is that judges should always place the overweight horses down the line and tell the exhibitor why an interesting one that I think it would take a very brave judge to basically say none of the horses in this lineup are worthy of receiving a rosette <laughs> or a hoys qualification but um, well it'd be interesting to see if, if, if that ever does happen and hopefully we can take some steps forward to help help with the, that welfare issue thank you Eleanor now you have also been writing about a situation which arose at an FEI show in the Netherlands at the end of June tell us what happened in this in this case yeah, so this was just hideously sad. This uh, 12-year-old mare who was owned by a Belgian rider um, was jumping in, and I think it was like a 130 class or something at an FEI show. The horse, who was called Kailika de Carmel, went lame between the fences, and the rider told me that she was just on a normal stride, and then and then suddenly she, she felt her lose all the power in her left hind, pulled up immediately, and the mare was not weight-bearing on that leg, but obviously you're hoping the mare can be saved um although later she said when they saw the x-rays she said her, her leg was she said it was like an explosion so don't know what happened but you know the poor mare couldn't be saved and the she said that you know the show staff were there and they wanted to help but the the fei vet said no you know the, the horse can't have any pain relief or sedation before she had taken blood for the doping control and so, of course, they, you know, her issue was that she had to watch her, her much loved horse standing there with nothing given to her for what she thought was about 15 minutes until the vet came back. After this incident, what did the mayor's connections do? What, what, were they, what are they sort of calling for? What do they want to happen next as a result of this? So they they asked for that. They said they wanted the rule to be changed because they were saying that, you know, absolutely a, a horse's welfare should should be the number one priority and they're saying you know the, the horse's suffering should be should come before any rule and they were saying you know and and told me that she wanted the fei to make sure that all vets and officials know that that alleviating any horse suffering is is the most important thing so that that's what they said and of course we went to the fei 
and and they said they were aware of the incident and have been very concerned about this unnecessary de delay and what they've made clear though is that although the equine welfare is the number one and there are procedures and rules that make sure the horse's welfare comes first that there can be vet reasons um, behind why you wouldn't give sedatives straight away especially if it's hoped that the horse can be saved um, because if you sedate a horse and then possibly need to load it up to take it to the clinic then you know there could be further danger there but they said there was also more delay because the FERI rules had been misinterpreted. Mm. So it's not that this is a case of needing a new rule or a rule change. It's a case of making sure that officials and vets understand the rules as they stand. Is that correct? Yeah. So they, they said how important it was to clarify that their rules do allow painkillers or sedatives to be given before a sample is taken, you know, especially in a case like this. And, and that a lot of FEIs obviously do apply that rule if needed, because, of course, you do need to take blood for doping control just in case there was a substance in the system that might have contributed to the to this you know, acute injury, but they've said there was a misunderstanding. Um, and, the, and they also made the very good point that, you know, if you're a veterinary official and having to deal with a, a hideous situation like this, it can be very challenging, very emotional. Um, and they've really said that, you know, they're so sorry the horse suffered, but, and they don't want any horse to suffer from misinterpretation of the rules, but they are going to make sure they're, they're you know, the, officials get more education there's more communication so that everyone is aware of the rules and procedures mm. and of course there are good welfare reasons why we have those doping mm. rules in place and, and and why you know horses do have to be blood tested so everyone is wanting wanting the best here but it sounds like the FEI were really quite robust in their response to this Eleanor I know that was quite you found quite impressive yeah, definitely. Because, you know, they've said we all agree anything like this has to be go avoided. They um, are going to take action to, to try and do their absolute best to make sure nothing like this happens again. And yeah, really, really impressed with their response. And one thing they also sort of pointed out was, you know, they've called on people to to not resort to bullying or name calling of any of the officials involved and that everyone must learn from the mistakes and, and move forward together. Thank you, Eleanor, for running us through those, uh, those couple of interesting stories that you've been covering this week. The Horse and Hand podcast is supported this week by NAF Five Star Superflex. As fed by Gareth Hughes, NAF Five Star Superflex provides your horse's joints with flexibility for life. Five Star Superflex is also recommended for horses showing signs of daily wear and tear, soundness issues, reduced joint movement or shortened stride. We're now going to hear from Sam Draycott. Sam is a farrier based in the south of England who specialises in remedial and laminitic shoeing. Sam has hit nationwide fame sharing his day-to-day -day work on TikTok and has 2.3 million followers. Over to you, Sam. Today on this episode, I'll be talking about cracks. What I would call as a farrier proper cracks is where you either get a huge crack from the ground up or from the coronary band down. So these actually have deep, complicated cracks, as we call them, where the hoof actually becomes two separate feet, almost like, like a cow's foot. So these major cracks, you would need, need something to stabilize a foot. So as they become two separate things, something to stabilize it, usually like a bar shoe, and then that would stabilize the foot 360 degrees round. And then with the actual crack, you would clean it out, 
get either you can either use staples screw in a plate acrylics you know there's so many different options out there especially for farrows now but anything to basically bind those two sides together now once that's all stabilized hopefully from the coronary band you'll it'll start growing new horn and you'll be able to stop the crack from splitting up and it starts growing down so for this crack to actually grow out from top to bottom would usually take oh, i'd say a year to 16 months depending on what type of the horses breed and obviously how much foot is actually growing so i'd say with the finer breeds it would take 16 months maybe even up to two years to get cracks out of horses foot the heavier breeds which are generally the good footed horses could take up to a year maybe even less if you're lucky so these major cracks once they're stabilized and you've got them knitted together at the top you're you're all in the home straight but actually getting them to stabilize and knit is the hardest bit so these cracks they can cause quite a bit of lameness, especially on turns, because you're, you're twisting the feet unlevel. But hopefully most of the time, once you've got it stabilised, the horse should be sound. But doing heavy concussion things, once you've got it stabilised, they, they can sort of not be done. So you'll have to do you know, school work or just general like hacking. Any jumping or road like hard road work is probably a big no-no for those. Sometimes the reason horses get cracks could be um, a deformity in the hoof a direct trauma, or actually just lack of care and lack of maintenance. So if the horse's feet are excessively long where they haven't been trimmed or looked after for a long time, these give flipper-like feet and you end up with cracks because the horse is growing so much, something's got to give. So it's either the, the foot breaks off or it'll start splitting and then that split can carry all the way up. Some cracks uh, are usually just from just little ones from when well, they've trodden on a rock or something like that, it's just broken out. Um, and if you're getting some cracks while the horses are getting shod, these are just one of those side effects that where we are nailing into the horse's feet, um, sometimes yeah, you, they can just come out, they can just break out. It's just one of those things. A hoof moist or anything like that to keep the foot supple um, is probably your best option to preventing those. Um, sometimes it can just happen. Um, and it's, yeah, it's just generally excessive dry weather can make them very brittle. So brittle dry weather with a hoof moisturizer, it will minimize that. It won't stop it completely. So there we are. Hopefully some of that was uh, helpful for you guys. Good luck. Thank you, Sam. Sam will be back with us later in the year. But for now, we're taking a pause from our usual podcast format in order to go into 10 weeks of summer sports specials. We have so many great events coming up, from the Royal International to the World Championships to Burley. So we wanted to take the time to preview and review those events on the podcast properly and really take the time to chat about them in some detail. We'll still be hearing from your favourite riders along the way, starting next week when Hickster Derby winner Shane Breen will be with us as we look ahead to all the show jumping and showing action for the Royal International. Make sure you join us then. And thank you for listening to this week's Horse and Hand podcast, supported by NAF Five Star Superflex. The Horse and Ham podcast is a Media Cage production.